morning again, and welcome home. Welcome to the Avenue. If you're visiting with us this morning, so excited you're here. Honored that you are here today. My name is Dave DeFrancesca, and my amazing wife is, uh, we have the privilege of pastoring this church. We've been building it for about five plus years now. We love to see what God is doing, and so glad you're here. That orange Connect card is on your seat. If you don't mind, if you've never filled that out, fill it out and drop it at our Next Steps table in the lobby as you exit. It'll be on the right side, and we'd love to exchange. We have a gift for you if you'll leave that with us, and we just want to send you an email this week and answer any questions you might have that you check off the boxes on the back on that card. Our small groups are happening right now. You can find out more about those and dive into one. We also have a dream team, which is our core of the church, if you will. It's the ones that just uh, make it happen here. Our dream team does everything. It's our volunteers that serve God through serving locally here at our church. We're always adding to that team. We began celebrating for the fall, one Sunday night a month. And so last month in September, we had a big party. The fall party, October party, is tonight. So we ordered some cold weather in because we're having a chili cook-off. Come on, we got some cold weather coming. So if you wonder where the cold weather come from, it's because the Dream Team been praying for it. They should have been praying for other things too, but they prayed for cold weather. And so we got a chili cook-off tonight. If you're on the Dream Team, be here at 6 o'clock tonight. If you're like, well, I don't volunteer. I'm not on the Dream Team. You're welcome as well. Come out. Hang out with us. If you want to be a part then after that, come on in. If you, all you want to do is come for a cup of chili, you do that too. But we'd love to have a celebration tonight. We'll be here from 6 to 8 this evening. And the kids will be taken care of in the back with pizza because my kids don't eat chili. I don't know about yours. So we know better. So we got pizza for the kids. It'll be a great time tonight as we celebrate and have some fun, play some games, and try to put the baseball game on as well. We are in a series right now. Can you believe we're in a series? This is week number eight of our series on miracles. We've been studying and unpacking the miracles of Jesus and the works that he did while he was on the earth. We have about 37 miracles that we can pull out of the scriptures, unique miracles that he did. And of those, now we're not going 37 weeks. I think this series will end at the end of this month, but this is week number eight. If you want to know more about it, you can go back on YouTube page or the website and pull some of those messages as well. But it's not just about talking about the miracles that Jesus did. It's also about discovering who Jesus is. And it's also understanding that what he did then, he can do now as well. That the miracles that he did in their lives are miracles that he can do today in ours. They may look and feel different, they may be different, but they can still be miracles in our lives as well. So as we pull these out, as we unpack them, I want to just kind of go through, uh, I want to land on this one particular miracle. This miracle today was a miracle that happened, it was recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four Gospels. We find three different accounts of it, and we're going to pull out of Luke's uh, account of this miracle this morning. At the end of the reading, then we'll watch this video. We've been pulling clips from the Chosen uh, series, TV series, uh, to kind of illustrate. Because it helps to be able to visualize the miracle as well. They've done a phenomenal job. And I hope I've given you a teaser enough that you've gone home with your family and you're starting to watch the whole series. The Chosen is probably my favorite series on TV. We love watching it. Love uh, just visualizing it. There are three seasons in, and it just gets better and better. There have been times when they had that illustration, when they did the video of the lady reaching out to touch Jesus. Uh, they had the, the, uh, the bleeding problem. And I know the story. I preach the story. I read the story. I know what happens. I, like, spoiler alert, I know what's going to happen. And I found myself crying, like weeping. 
like bawling like a baby as I see her. Like the, the visual is so strong and powerful. So we're showing these clips during this series just to help illustrate what we're reading as well. Luke chapter 5 verse 12 says this. When Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he felt his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Say clean. Jesus reached out his hand to him and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. Before we show the video, I added that last verse on here because I want to emphasize how Jesus was intentional about getting alone with his father to have a conversation, to pray. Like sometimes we, we, we get frustrated because we're lonely. We get annoyed because we're lonely. We get mad because we're lonely. Jesus looked at lonely times and places as an opportunity to spend time with God. I wonder when the last time was when you were lonely that you thought, maybe God has carved this out because he put it on his calendar to have an appointment with me, and he allowed everything else to be cleared out of my life, the distractions. So just to challenge you to just allow yourself to look at those moments and times as possible moments where you can have communion directly with God and not so much being alone from other people as well. We're going to pray. After I pray, they'll show this video and we'll dive in. God, I thank you this morning for your word of truth and life. God, I thank you that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Lord, I pray this morning you would touch our heart, our ears, eyes that we would see here and experience you in a way we never have. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Check out this clip. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. Mr. Leopard, stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can, what can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> it's a beautiful picture of the healing, the miracle that Jesus performs. Yet in the world we live in today, the U.S. has only about 150 cases a year of leprosy. So why would we talk about that this morning? Worldwide, there's around 2 million annual cases, but most of those found in India. Still have leprosy colonies there. They still have people that are put out and separated from the community because of this disease. But in the ancient world, in the Bible times, if you had leprosy, oftentimes if you look up that word leprosy in the Old Testament, it would actually read skin affliction. So they didn't know how to discern the difference between a lot of things. You could have boils. You could have bad acne. You could have skin cancer. You could have leprosy. You could have a variety of things. If you had anything that came up on the skin like a rash, they would send you out of the camp for seven days for a period of time. You'd go through a ritual cleansing. They'd have oils and treatments. Then you'd come back in and present yourself to the priest. And only the priest could then give you permission if he saw that the skin had cleared up to enter back into the community. So this is a very painful matter that would happen. Very challenging that this would go on this way. And yet today... We don't have a problem here in the U.S. It actually could be treated by antibiotics on about a 6- to 12-month program, and you can be cured of leprosy. Even in India, where they have these colonies set up. And, uh, when I was in India several years back on almost a, mis a month-long mission trip, we, some of our team visited one of those places and prayed with people. But see, the thing about leprosy is it's highly contagious, so they wanted to separate so that the whole community didn't get the sickness, but it's airborne. It's spit in saliva. It's transmitted via those. So in this space, we have to create and put them off to the side and separate them. So what does leprosy have to do with us today where we are? Well, the Bible often uses leprosy as a symbol to talk about sin, about the sin in our lives. And so just the same as leprosy was something that would plague people and eventually kill them and take their life, so also is sin something that in our lives, if it's not cured, will also claim us. And so the Bible clearly speaks to this matter and uses this as an analogy many times about leprosy and about something that is happening because the people were so aware of it and because they had no cure for it back then. 
So this morning, I'm drawing several relations, uh, connections between sin and leprosy. I know you're very excited about this message today. I know you're like, this is exactly the miracle I wanted to come here. But I'm telling you, if we can get a hold of this, if we can grab this, if we can understand this and use this and apply it in our lives, we'll suddenly begin to see healing take place and how we can grow in Christ. Because that is the point. So I've called this message an inside job. Because there's something about our lives that we really get misplaced. We really get it wrong. And we continue on this path that it causes us to wonder, what's the big deal with Christianity? Why would I even go to church? Why would I even want to serve God? I tried and it didn't help. So this morning, let me lean into that thought. And let me just kind of sit down and have a conversation with you. As you sit, I'll stand, figure speech. And as we do, I'm going to draw these connections, just four. I had five, but I knew the clock was going to work against me, so I got four. Everybody said amen. amen. Number one, leprosy and sin are internal issues. Leprosy and sin are both internal issues. They're internal, not external. Leprosy was a skin disease that would just manifest itself that way. It's actually a bacteria that would take place. And sometimes it could be up to three years that the bacteria could be in your life before you saw it exhibited on the outside. Sin works much like this. It's internal. It's a struggle. The Bible says we're born into sin. We're born under this curse. And as we are, a lot of times we don't even realize I've got stuff in my heart. And that's the why I'm acting this way on the outside. It's because deep down inside, I have this thing, this condition, this disease that separates me, that keeps me from becoming the person I want to be, I know God wants me to be. And see, changes take place. There was this conversation one time going on with Jesus and some of the Jewish people. And they were asking Jesus about his disciples washing their hands before they ate. Now, that matters. But could you imagine, of all the things you could talk to Jesus about, you wanted to know, hey, do the boys wash their hands before they eat? I'm thinking I might have a couple other questions before I got to that one. But the Jewish leaders were so concerned with what people were doing on the outside, they never approached what was happening on the inside. So Jesus' response to that question lands in Matthew 15 in a couple verses. Verse 18, Jesus says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. So whatever you say originates in your heart. Whatever words you use are birthed in your heart, but it gets worse. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Jesus, you worried about what I think? I think he is. For out of the heart, what I say, but then also from my heart, what I think. It's getting deep. Why did I come this morning? This morning, I, I mean, this conversation. Listen to the evil thoughts that Jesus says come from our heart. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. And then he goes on to say, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Just to clear that up for you guys, to answer your question. What's Jesus talking about? 
He's talking about the disease called sin that's inside of our hearts and our minds, our mouths. It all originates there. So you're in a situation, and you're in this place where you wonder why you did something, why you acted a certain way, why you reacted a certain way, why you keep saying the same thing about yourself or about people, why you keep speaking the same way about something. It's not because you can't get your words to line up right. It's because your heart is not right. Everything your heart thinks processes through your mind, the things you're thinking about. And this is why we can't just deal with actions only. Remember we talked about James back in the series we did in the spring. James said this, temptation comes from our own desires. It's our heart. The temptation that we have, your personal temptation, is founded and rooted in the desires you personally have. So it varies from person to person. But the temptations come from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And this is a really good illustration to understand. Well, why am I tempted by one thing, but she's not, or this person isn't? Why is it that this is my vice and I struggle here, but not everybody does? Because what's in your heart is what's causing you to want that. So I recently, this past week, had the opportunity to go fishing. Fishing. So we went out, and I was at a pastor's event, and we had a short break, and during one of the breaks, they're like, we got a, a pontoon boat, and we have a guide, he's from Alaska, and he's done all these charters and all this stuff, he knows what he's doing, we're going to go out fishing. They said they were fishing for redfish, I was fishing for fish. Come on, anything will do. Now, if you're a fisherman, you're like, yes, this is going to be great. And I'm like, I'm going to be trapped on a boat for four hours. But I go. So I'm out there, and we're fishing. And the guy's is casting this long fishing rod out in the water, and then we're reeling it in. And he's casting it, and we're reeling it. I have a little bit of a control issue sometimes. Not always, just sometimes. When it comes to you casting my rod, I'll cast it for myself, apparently. So I was holding the rod, reeling it in, and I decided I'm cast it back myself. So I cast the rod back. Reel it back in. Cast it back out. Reel it back in. He, now this is his word, this is what he said, word for word. You have one of the best casts I've ever seen out here. That's what he said about me. Now, I didn't catch anything. Let me be honest with you. I didn't catch nothing. All I did was a whole bunch of exercise. Like I got some cardio in. I got some, like my tennis game will probably be, because that's how I was casting. But what's the idea here? The idea is that you take this shrimp and put it on the end of a hook. And you throw it out in the water. And this fish comes looking at it, and he sees his shrimp, and he thinks, that looks like a good meal. Well, guess who likes shrimp? Fish. So the fish is drawn and enticed by what he likes in his life. And he says, that shrimp going to look really good right now. I'm going to eat that shrimp. He's drawn to it and lured in, and the moment he bites down on it, he gets a hook in his mouth, he's drugged to places he doesn't want to go, and he loses control over his life. He's probably going to die. Unless you got one of them catch and release programs. So now this fish has done exactly what James says happens to each one of us. We're drawn in by our own desires and enticed in this place. Why? Because it's what's in your heart. Because you're attracted to and you're drawn towards what you want. 
Some people like think bluebell is the greatest thing on the planet. Come on. Come on. Anybody? Bluebell. But then other people are like, ah, I could take it or leave it. And I think they got an issue. They got problems. We can pray for them. But we're not all drawn by the same thing. This is exactly what happens. These desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It goes desire, action, death. Can you see the progression? Can you see the way this thing functions? How this operates in our lives? We thought, man, at first it was just a glance. It was just a look. It was just, you know what? Somebody's just giving me a little bit extra attention. It's no big deal. I just have a little bit longer conversation. The water fountain, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer to walk out to the parking lot when they walk out so we can have a couple minutes of conversation. They make me laugh. I giggle when they, like, you just feel like we have a connection and you feel like it's so innocent. You're being drawn in by the desires of your heart and suddenly now you're in a space where you're trapped and you're stuck and your marriage is on the line or your relationships are on the line or everything before you is then put up. Why? Because you were enticed by a desire that was in your heart. We have got to get this leprosy and this sin out of our lives. And this is why Christianity is so important. This is why what we're doing here is so vital. Listen to it this way. Christianity isn't about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. If all I'm doing is worried about the exterior... You ever buy a car? You buy that car, you're like, man, the paint job looks great. Look at those rims. Man, they got, what are we down with, 22s these days? Look at those rims. They got, I mean, just beautiful car all the way around, and you don't even bother opening the door to get inside and start it up. Who's buying that car? Yet you'll get in a relationship with somebody that looks really good on the outside. Ooh, ooh, they look good on the outside. And you don't even bother getting to know who they really are and what's in their heart. And you may have walked out of the house that way, not concerned about what's in your heart and who you really are, but just making sure everything from head to toe looks just right. Can we begin to focus on the internal and what's inside of our lives? Because if you'll focus on the internal, the external will change. But too many times people go to church and they go, well, I got to stop this, and I got to stop that, and I got to stop this, and I got to stop that, and I got to start doing this, and I can't do that. Instead, pull back from all the do's and don'ts and look at life and go, God, if you could just start changing me on the inside, and it'll start talking to you about something in your life and the way you could filter that is what are you thinking about and what are you saying? Oh, I can't believe I said that. Where'd that come from? Why did I say that? I love that this man said, I am willing. If you're willing, I could be made clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing. Be clean. Why? Because Jesus knew if he healed the man on the inside, if he healed him of that bacteria, the leprosy on the outside would go away. Number two, leprosy and sin can only stay hidden for a season. They're internal, but you can only hide it for so long. You actually have up to three years in life before it starts to show up on your skin. 
And people start spreading a disease they don't even know they have. People are contagious and they don't even realize it. People are walking around carrying something and they don't know how destructive it really is. And I'm really tired, I think so are you, of seeing people throw their lives away and make choices and decisions and wonder, why did I do that? Where did it come from? And it came from a place in your heart that you wouldn't deal with and you wouldn't let God deal with it. What did Jesus say? He said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. I was at work one day, years ago, on a construction site. My dad was a pastor and a carpenter. I was working for him. There was a couple other guys. My brother was there. Most of the guys there knew my dad was a pastor, except one guy. One guy. And that guy decides to tell this joke, not so clean, a dirty joke, inappropriate. And he tells this joke, and he probably had received laughs every time he told this joke until this one time. He tells it, and it doesn't land. It crashes to the ground and burns. And everybody's like, hmm. And he's like, did you not get the punchline? Like, you could see it, like, not registering. Like, he's like, did I, I? and finally, one of the guys leans in. He's like, he's a pastor. You know, the things you say when, and so he, he's like, oh. And the guy begins to backpedal, and he's like, oh, oh. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I, I mean, I only just heard it the other day. I've, I've never told it before. I, I didn't mean it. I don't even understand it. Right? Like, he's going backwards, right? And like, like, you didn't mean it? You ever said something and you're like, where'd that come from? And you go to apologize afterwards when things have settled down and de-escalated. And you're like, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean what I said. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You just took the filter off. Because most of the time, we walk around with a filter that covers our heart so that our mouths only go, we only let out of our mouths what we want to because we know how destructive and damaging they can be. But when we get that intense and that escalated in a situation in a moment, we'll actually go to a place we don't often go to and we'll say things we don't even sometimes know are in there. So we say, I don't even know where that came from. You do know but maybe you didn't know it was there. But you should address it and go, do I really feel that way? Do I really think like that? You can only keep stuff hidden for so long. Now, sometimes I believe we have stuff hidden that's hidden from us. And we didn't even know it was there. The Bible talks about sins that we commit that we didn't have intention to. But then he talks about sins that we commit that we fully intended to do. We got that one down really good. But there's things that happen in our lives. But also there's sins that we hide and we don't want people to know about and we don't address them and we keep them in our heart. This is where we store them. We store them deep down inside in the compartment and we can go to church that way. We can go to small group that way. We can live life that way. We can get married that way. We can raise kids that way. We can do life that way and carry it because we know how to keep it there. But God loves us so much, he wants to get all of it out because he knows that bacteria, that sin, that disease is ultimately affecting the external. And you wonder why. Why can't I move my life to this place? Why can't I see God do this? Why can't it 
I have those same results other people are having. And I go to the same church and do the same thing, and I see their life like this, and mine doesn't feel like it's there. I'd ask you to check your heart. Do a soul search. Get down inside and figure out. Because here's the love of God. He'll give us space to expose it, and then he will expose it. Well, that's mean. Why would God go tell my business to people? Because he loves you enough that he'll do anything it takes to get your heart healthy. So he allows us space to be vulnerable, transparent. And this really works well in small groups. It works well in relationships with people of common interest in the church. It's hard to expose sin to somebody that doesn't believe in God. It's hard to expose something that is a shortcoming, a reality in my life, something I know I want to work on, but I need some help, some accountability. That's why it works well in an environment like this. Now listen, do not tell everybody. Everybody don't need to know. But somebody does. Somebody does. You need to have somebody in your life. You say, this is my challenge. This is my shortcoming. This is, my, this is what I'm frustrated about right now. This is where I feel like I'm coming up short. That you have that conversation with. If you keep your sin hidden, you will always be as sick as your secret. So expose it. Talk about it. God wants us to be as healthy as we possibly can, and he will allow us to do so by getting our hearts healthy. Number three, leprosy and sin separate relationships. Separate people. Imagine this man. He had family and friends. And that day, that world, you know, somebody was healthy, maybe had a family. And suddenly the skin disease came and began to eat away at their life. You would lose limbs and fingers and it would just continually eat away day by day at your life, causing you to become separated. And now you had this space, this gap, this divide between who you are and who everybody else is. And you'd have to wear a certain kind of clothing so people could identify you as a leper. And you'd have to walk into places. If you saw people, you'd have to yell out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So people had fair warning. Emotionally, this is trauma, let alone the physical side of this. This is horrendous, but this is the separation. This is like OG quarantine. Way back in the day, like, everybody got out there, and they put them in camps and colonies together. But that's what our sin does. It separates us, not just from God. It is a separation from God. It's also from each other. Because your sin gets involved in your life, and it begins to cause and carve separation out between who you are and the places that you want to grow in and develop and who you want to be. You're a young person. You meet somebody. You want to get on the dating scene. You want to get to know them. And you'll destroy that relationship before it even begins if you allow sin to get in there and you lose your purity. Well, suddenly now sin has separated you from what could have been. Ah, oh, but everybody's doing it, but we're all just getting along. But, but it's in your heart. You ever met a selfish person before? Just look straight ahead. You can raise your hand if you want. You ever met like a selfish person? Like somebody just really selfish. All about themselves. There's a story, they turn it around, make it about themselves. There's an event, they make sure they're there. And they're the center of attention. There's a promotion at work, they're making sure they're going to get it. They're not a team player. 
They're not all about promoting everybody else and empowering other people, enabling somebody else to move forward. Like, they like golf and not team sports. Like, they're all about themselves. They don't know how to share the ball or share the, the glory. It's a selfish person. But think about that selfish person that allows that sin of selfishness to keep their life isolated and separated from everybody else because eventually people see it and go, I don't want to hang out with them. They're no fun. They're all about themselves. They're so stuck up and arrogant. It's a sin that would separate us from God, from others. If we don't guard ourselves and understand that we are in this space, we stay separated. But here's the good news. Number four, leprosy and sin were both conquered by Christ. Until Jesus came along, there was no cure for leprosy. They see this man come along. Well, we have a story of Naaman, the leper. That was a miracle that Elijah gave him. But what about thousands, hundreds of thousands of others? There's no cure. Jesus comes along and suddenly he says, I have the cure for both for the external and the internal. I can cure you and make you whole. This is what this man says. He says, verse 12, a man who was covered in leprosy, he saw Jesus and he fell to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I thank God for a Jesus who is willing. Because Jesus' response is, I am willing. What's he willing to do? He's willing to go to places nobody else will. He's willing to love people that society cast out. He's willing to touch you in your heart that you don't let anybody else. He's willing to have a conversation about hard things with you. He's willing to love you despite all the things about you. This man is covered in leprosy. Imagine this man is covered in something that is highly contagious. Nobody's supposed to touch them. And Jesus says, I will not only heal you, I'll do it by means of touch. And he breaks the law doing it. Now picture you, me, covered in our sin. God, I mean, if you're willing to forgive me, I'll take it. If you're willing to heal me, I will. But you can make me clean. And his response is the same. I am willing. that thing that medicine can't cure, that therapy hasn't helped. He's willing. So I got a hold of this word. This word, clean. I thought this is the meat of the message. This man says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I am willing. So we see the man's faith. We see the willingness of Jesus. This beautiful picture but this word clean, it, in the Greek, it's karitso. It means to clean, to purge, to scrub. To clean, to purge, to scrub. And I got to thinking about this, like, to scrub something clean. To really make sure it gets clean. Your initial thought of that, the picture comes to your mind, is probably doing the dishes, like just scrubbing the dishes to just purge them and get everything off of them, the grease, germs, just scrub them clean. This is the word, 
the man uses, if you can purge me and scrub me, I can be healed. And Jesus says, I'm willing to scrub you and purge you. You are healed. Which is unique. Because if you go back to the beginning of this story, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, we went backwards. We would find this picture where Jesus, just before this man and his story come up, Jesus is walking up to a crowd of people. He's trying to teach them, but the crowd is so many that Jesus says to a couple guys, Simon and John, hey, can I get in your boat, push me off the land a little bit so I have more space to talk to people. But as he approaches these two fishermen, the Bible says as he approached them, he found them washing out their nets. Well, that's what fishermen do. They wash their nets. They go fishing. They pull the nets in. They take the fish out. They go fishing. At the end of the day, they wash the nets and keep them clean for the next day. What does that have to do with anything in this message? But isn't that what we are as well? Fishermen? Fishing for people? Casting out our nets? And how many times in life do we walk through life and we find ourselves in situations where we go, man, I got a lot of stuff on me today. I helped somebody walk through something. I was out trying to reach somebody. I was trying to go through something. It's really not until the pressure is on, until you're in a pressurized situation, that you find out what comes out. You squeeze something hard enough to get the juice to come out. Life squeezes you hard enough, you'll see what's in your heart. It'll come out of your mouth and your thinking. That reveals who you are. The scrubbing that takes place is something that I believe we do on a regular basis. Just the same as these fishermen are scrubbing their nets to try to get them clean. I think God wants us to live lives where we as well are scrubbing. See, you can walk through life and you can go places, you can do things like, I'm going over here to do this today. I'm going over here to do this today. Here I go to work. Here I go to family. Here I go to this. And what happens? You come home and you got dirt all over your shoes. Some people are so germophobic about this, they don't even let people walk in their house with shoes on. Because all the places you've been have gathered on your shoes have collected on your feet. So what do we do? We realize we're going to have to clean this up. And how do we clean it? We start scrubbing it. Oh, I got to scrub that out of my life. Scrub that out of my life. Scrub that out of my life. Scrub. Oh, God, get that spot right there. Why? Because sometimes life just splashes up on you. But then sometimes life comes out of you. And in either scenario, you need to make sure you have a good habit making sure. This is why reading your Bible every day is so vital. It is not because, well, pastor put us all on a reading plan to read the whole Bible in a year. It's not because you, well, you know what? I got to make sure I get through my devotion today and then read these five chapters and that one and boom, check the box. If you do that, it's like water off the duck's back. It just falls off. It doesn't penetrate. But when you sit down and allow, see, that's why the scripture says we are washed by the water of his word. 
because I need something to clean my heart that goes deeper than deep, that purges down inside, that does what bleach can't do, that does what other things in this world can't do. But it gets down inside and it begins to clean me out. That is why I need to get the Word of God in my life so it scrubs my heart of all of this stuff that would cause separation between me and God. And I think God is committed. He's committed to scrubbing you clean. Jesus said, I'm willing. But are we committed to staying clean? Let me tie this up. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Paul's having a conversation. And he actually begins to say, use the same concept Jesus uses. He says, but what does it say? Speaking of the scripture. It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, and then watch this. He says the word is in your mouth and in your heart. Isn't that what Jesus said? In your mouth and in your heart. If you can control those things, that's what defiles you. He says, but if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And this is the place we arrive at. How do I clean my heart? How do I cleanse my thinking? How do I do this? By believing and confessing. By having a daily understanding that I need to go in and processing through. So when I do something or say something, I don't overlook it like, ah, you know, it's just me being me. Parents, you know this. Every parent in the room, every person that's been parented, you can relate to this. Parents come along and a kid says something acts a certain way. I've got a 17-year-old, 10-year-old, 5-year-old. I've got three different worlds going on at one time. Three different conversations constantly happening. One's becoming an adult. One's kind of stuck in the middle, and the other one's trying to learn how to talk. And as they're in this space, I can constantly get on them and say, don't say that. Don't behave that way. Don't do that. Or I could take, which takes a lot more time, and have a conversation and go, do you know why you said that? Do you know why you wanted to do that? And get down into the why. Get to the heart. Proper parenting is going beyond behavior modification on the outside and getting into the place of the heart to understand why your child is reacting that way. Then you can change their behavior on the outside. Then your kids begin to speak differently and sound differently because you begin working on his heart, their heart, and having a conversation about what is inside of them. Same way God does with us. People are so worried and caught up in what are people thinking about what I do? What are people looking at about the way I act and behave? What if they hear what I say? If you get your heart right, all of that becomes a moot point. It just becomes another part of your life that you're everything on the outside blossoms and grows because the root on the inside is healthy. 
God is after us. To scrub, to clean, to cleanse, to purge. As you stand up, I'll read this last verse. It said, yet news spread about him all the more. So crowds of people came to him to be healed of their sicknesses. Crowds of people came. Imagine that. They came out following Jesus because they heard about his miracles. Because they saw what he was doing. Because they said, I want that same thing in my life. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. Just personally, internalize it. If you could have Jesus do anything for you right now, if you could look at Jesus and say, Lord, if you're willing, do this, what would that be? What would that be? How do you answer that question? Lord, if you're willing, do this. It might be a need. Probably is a need related somewhere. Healing, direction, provision, understanding. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe it's a mental thing. Whatever it might be, he knows. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the confidence we have that we can approach you. That we can step before you and bring all these things before you. God, because when we see you do something for somebody and hear a story about somebody else, God, this man with leprosy, you healed, died eventually of something else. We got a story, but that's all we know about it. But the story's not about him, it's about you. It's about the man that created the miracles, the man that is the same, the one who today can do the same things that was done thousands of years ago. God, I ask right now that you would begin to remove from our lives everything you don't want. Cleanse our hearts. Wash over our hearts with your word. I think some people right now just need to have confidence built up in your life. It may just be you just don't have the confidence to step into the things God is calling you into. And he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He said he has created you and you're the handiwork of the creator of the universe. And he has caused you and your personality and your thinking and your life and the way you are, the way you look, your tastes, the things you like and desire. wishing you looked like, sounded like, acted like somebody else. Be you. God, I thank you. I thank you for the scripture that says if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us and cleanse us, to wash us. 
Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you just need to have a conversation with God and say, God, this is my sin. This is my stuff. This is my leprosy. This is what's on the inside. It's going to make its way to the outside. It's going to start changing my world outside if I don't fix what's inside. Have that talk with God right now. What better time than when he's probably talking to you about it? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from being all that he's created you to be? access to that place in all of our lives. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Scrub us. Purge us. Make us clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray right now. Bring healing into somebody's body, their emotional state. God, somebody in this room has walked through something painful in their life recently within the last three years and it cuts deep it goes deeper than any physical ailment has ever I pray for your healing over them God I pray that the mender of broken bones can be the mender of broken hearts God that you can put us back together on the inside just the same as you can do for us on the outside. God, I thank you. No matter where you are, what you're going through, what your situation is, I want to pray with you right now. I want to invite you into this prayer. Maybe it's a prayer for the first time to say, Jesus, I want to confess you as my Savior and Lord and put faith in you. Maybe it's just simply to say, today is a day I need to get some things right in my life. He's been dealing with you probably longer than today. Maybe it's the first time. Whatever the case might be. Would you join me in this prayer? Across this room, I invite everybody to pray together. Leave nobody out. Just simply say, Jesus, come into my life. Wash me clean. And cleanse me from all sin, all iniquity. Scrub me, purge my heart, and remove everything from my life that you don't want there. And I receive into my life your word washing over me and bringing life. I thank you. Forgive me of my sins and making me new. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said aloud. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate. Yes, God, amen. I believe he's doing amazing things. The greatest miracle we can receive is what happens in our hearts. Amen.